0: is real there's power in your name we find hope and we trust in your ways we need real Jesus is real it says that we should when we're serving the Lord we should be rejoicing in hope we should be people who are rejoicing because we know that We serve the God of all hope and that Jesus' work is not done yet. And that as long as there's breath in our lungs, God's got a plan for us. Even if we don't feel like he's got a plan, he still does. He wouldn't have us here for no reason. So in all the situations that we need hope in, we can rejoice in hope because of who the Lord is.
1: With all that has happened in the world recently, pressing on in hope has become more and more essential. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that you can rejoice in hope because of who God is. As you cling to him, he will grow your capacity to be hopeful, regardless of your circumstances. When God is the source of your hope, you don't have to question whether it will hold up when things go crooked. He is your hope in every situation. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 12 as he continues his message, Behave!
0: says give preference to yourself what you want and then it says in honor giving preference to one another and it's just like this is so counter-cultural this goes so against the ideals of the culture in in which we've been raised a culture that says it's all about what you want you get yours it doesn't matter who you got to step over and even if you want to do it in an ethical way it's okay as long as no one really gets hurt and then the bible says hey listen let love be without hypocrisy Abhor what's evil, cling to what's good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with kindness. Oh yeah, don't miss the fact in honor, prefer others ahead of yourself. The Apostle Paul said it this way to church in Philippi, Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, so everyone stop. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in again. Breathe out. Okay, how many of you feel like you're totally failing in these two verses? Go ahead. Okay, pretty much everyone except you lazy people. All right? Here's the deal. I don't want you to feel condemned, but I do want you to see your need for Jesus. See, when I read these verses, that the ethics of my life as a follower of Jesus is supposed to be this, and I look at my life and I'm like, that's actually not what I'm seeing right now. Right? Then we either come and we feel condemned, which the Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We saw that in Romans chapter eight, verse one. Right. What we realize is that the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we're not living this stuff out is supposed to drive us into the arms of Jesus. I read this and I said, oh Lord, I need you. And he said, Daniel, you don't even know the half of it. You need me more than you could ever realize. And my friends, listen, remember I told you, I don't want you to focus on changing your behavior. Where do I want you to focus? On Jesus because Jesus has already loved this way. The cross is the proof of Jesus living and loving this way. And Jesus still loves this way right now. I don't know what your background is. I don't know where you're coming from David, But what I want to tell you is that Jesus' love for you is without hypocrisy. Jesus knows that you failed. But he clings to his goodness. He, even though he should thrust us away, he draws us close Because he has kind affections for us as a brother. And as a Lord, he in honor gives preference by dying in our place at the cross. There's nothing you can do to outrun God's love. There's no mistake you can make. He's for you and not against you. He knows that you're flawed. He knows that we struggle. He knows that we don't have it all together. He knows that on our best day, it's still not all that great. And he loves us still. And brothers and sisters, we need to get our eyes focused on Jesus because as we abide in Christ, his love for us begins to change the way we love other people. It's his love that drives a new way to be human, a new way to live. And it's not a carnal thing. It's not us pulling ourselves up by the bruise traps. It's a spirit-inspired transformation. And I don't know about you, but I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years and I'm grateful for what he's done and I'm so grateful he ain't finished yet. I love that I'm not what I used to be. Praise God. I never want to go back to those days. I remember them all too well. But I'm also grateful he's not finished with any of us yet. And we have to abide. And as we abide and we get our eyes on the Lord, his right love changes us and changes how we behave. Now, as we move into verse 11, and it's so hard. to, I want to take this whole section together, but you realize that each one of these verses is pregnant with meaning. This is pregnant with like 20 kids, you know, not just like one baby. It's like there's a hundred babies in these verses. There's so much for us to learn. And so I'm not going to be able to grab everything, but I want you to spend time here. There's so much here for us. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, not lagging in diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Now, I know you're thinking, Fusco, how are you going to give us one big idea out of those verses? And I I came up with this, brothers and sisters, we got to follow the verbs. we got to follow the verbs. I've always told you, if you want to know what God is up to, you follow the verbs. Why? Because God is not static. God is dynamic. He's active right? The Christian life is not something that's meant to be sit in an easy chair. God is inviting us to simply respond to him in this world. And there are some great verbs here, right? And all these verbs work together. Now what's interesting is I think the key to all of these verbs you actually get at the end of verse 11. What does it say there? Serving what? Serving the Lord. I actually believe that all of these verses can be encapsulated by that, that you and I were supposed to be serving the Lord. Now, it doesn't say served in the past tense. Served the Lord. It says serving the Lord in the present right now. So as we're serving the Lord because of his great love for us, there's that old song that used to be sang. Those of you who've been around a little bit, you remember the song, I will serve you, why? Because I love you. Because you gave your life for me, it's an old song, right? We serve Him because we love Him, right? It, it, it's not a duty-bound service; it's a loved-based service because of His love for us. Now we serve the Lord. Now, how should we serve the Lord? Look what it says in verse eleven: "Not lagging in diligence." <laughs> That's a tough one, isn't it? Not lagging in diligence. The idea here is, when I think about when something's lagging, something is not moving the speed that it, all, it ought to. I just heard this yesterday because my son Obadiah, he loves playing those video games. And what's amazing is no matter how good our internet is, it always does what for him in the video game world? Lags. All of a sudden, you hear Obadiah yelling, oh, the machine just lagged, and he got beat up in the game or whatever, you know? And the thing is, as he said that yesterday, I thought, not lagging in diligence, So the idea is that when we serve the Lord, we want to be able to keep up pace with what God is doing, not lagging in diligence. And isn't it true sometimes when we stop abiding in Jesus, what's the first thing that starts to happen? We start to lag a little bit. Can we just be honest? When things don't go right, don't you just want to lag a little bit? You want to cut a couple corners. Remember I told you I had kind of a rough week. I had a couple of days like that this week where I was just like, man. I just want to throw in the towel. You know what I mean? Don't judge me. And I'm good. Like, I'm still here. You're stuck with me. I'm not letting you all out that easy. But you have those times when you get discouraged, right? And then you're just like, oh, man, forget this, you know? And then I, and sure enough, this week, as I'm preparing this message, I always say, I don't just want to preach a message. I want to live the word of God. Oh, not lagging in diligence. So at that point, when you feel like lagging, what do you do? You lean in a little bit because we're serving the Lord. And if Jesus comes back, I don't want to be lagging in diligence. I want to be in the middle of what God's up to. And guess what? When you don't lag in, in diligence, what happens? Verse 11. It tells us fervent in spirit. In a lot of ways, I just want to encourage you all. You need to keep your hearts hot. You know what I mean? Like like your spiritual life, you either keep that fire or you let that fire lag. And and I'll be honest with you, we live in a day and age where actually the goal of our day and age is to make you stop neglecting your spiritual life. Listen, I love social media like the next person. I love having technology in my pocket, but that distraction when you could be praying, worshiping, seeking the Lord, reading a million books, except for the Bible, like all these things, the things that stoke out your spiritual life, you got to, if you want to be fervent in spirit, you got to stoke that stuff out. If you just let that thing languish, no matter how on fire Crossroads is on a weekend, it's not going to light you up like a Christmas tree again. I tell people all, this all the time. I say, listen, at best, when we gather together, we're equipped for the work of ministry. I'm like, but if the only time you get fed is when you come to Crossroads, no matter how good we do, it's never going to be enough. You need to, you need to stoke out that stuff. Are you stoking out the spiritual fires in your life? Because if you want to be fervent spirit, you have to make an investment there. I mean, if you ever gone camping and, and, and make a fire? Right? It's like if you want that fire to keep burning, you got to keep sticking stuff in there. Right? Like it just doesn't just, just burn on its own. Right? You, you can have all the accelerant you want. Once the accelerant runs out, guess what? If you don't got kindling and wood and all sorts of things to put in there, that thing's gonna it's going to get quiet. And we want to be fervent spirit. We're serving the Lord. And, and not only that, as it as it keeps going, it says that we should, when we're serving the Lord, we should be rejoicing in hope. We should be people who are rejoicing. Because we know that we serve the God of all hope. And that Jesus' work is not done yet. And that as long as there's breath in our lungs, God's got a plan for us. Even if we don't feel like he's got a plan, he still does. He wouldn't have us here for no reason. So in all the situations that we need hope in, we can rejoice in hope because of who the Lord is. And when we rejoice in hope, guess what happens? We become patient in tribulation. We we have that ability to know that this momentary light affliction is but for a moment. We realize that our issues are not just problems, that God has a purpose in them. That we realize that although tribulation or trials may come, they're temporary. Because all the trials and tribulations of yesterday, they were temporary as well, right? They came for a season and they were gone. And if you rejoice and hope and you're serving the Lord, you begin to realize that in the midst of the tribulations, you say, man, this is hard right now, but this isn't forever. Because I know where my forever lands. I know with whom I get to spend it. And not only that, when we serve the Lord and we're rejoicing in hope and we're patient in tribulation, what happens? We continue steadfastly in prayer. We can just keep praying. Okay, Lord. Okay, you didn't fix that thing today. Can you fix it tomorrow? Right? You continue seeking the Lord. I love that idea of continuing steadfastly in prayer. Because can we just be honest? Prayer's hard. Now, for, for like five of you, it's super easy and we're super jealous. Because I know some of you are like, oh, man, prayer's not hard. It's easy, like for five of you. I've been a pastor long enough. I, I, the number of you who are like, man, praying is comes the most natural to me. Everyone's like, ooh, you're real spiritual. It's like, praise God for that. But prayer is something that you continue steadfastly in. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is the word that we use for the dialogue we get to have with God. And in any dialogue, there's a conversation that happens. And in any relationship, a relationship grows because a conversation is there. I always like to say intimacy happens when there's communication over time. And so the invitation when we abide in Christ to continue steadfastly in communicating with God and talking to him and hearing from him, that is how intimacy with Christ grows. And then from all this, it tells us that we should be distributing to the needs of the saints. Now listen, when you abide in Christ, right, and you're loving the right way, now, all of a sudden, you find out that there's needs within the people of God, and you say, I can help with that. I can be involved in that. Oh, hey, so you need a ride? I give you a ride. Oh, you need a car? I got 97 of them. I want to get that one off my insurance, and it's a good car too. Right? You start to distribute to the needs of the people of God. You've got to be honest with you as you. As you find your way around the Crossroads campus right now, you see what is the beginnings of the transformation of our kids' center. So many of you were involved in distributing to the needs of the saints. You're like, we want kids to have a great place to be able to worship, a safe place, a fun place where we can teach them the Bible. We want the kids of our community to have a place where they can worship just the way as adults they have places like the Crossroads Sanctuary to worship in. Thank you for being involved in that. Our church is a church family. We're in the community all over the place. How do we help? There's so many things that we do as a church. People don't even know about it because we don't blow the trumpet. Other churches that, like, hey, we have this need. Yeah, we can help you with that. Hey, we can send somebody over to do that. We can do that. Why? Because when you abide in Christ, you realize that you're part of a family and Jesus is the head of that family. And when one of us suffers, we all suffer. And one of us has a need. Technically, we all have a need. And so we distribute to the needs of the saints. And not only do we do that as a church, but so many of us do that as individuals. You know, there's a time when we need and there's a time when we have to give and we have to be able to know when it's time, when we need, we can receive. And when it's time to give, we don't just stay in the needing place. And we do that as a church globally and we do that as individuals. I always have heard it said that when you're following Jesus, you see a need and then you meet a need. If you can meet that need, you meet it. If you can't, you try and help find someone who can you know, and I love seeing that goes on all over this church family. And not only that, then it says that we're given to, to hospitality. Now, hospitality is when you meet the needs of people under your own roof. Does that make sense? So, given to hospitality is when you take it upon yourself to open up the doors for people, for strangers. And I'm so proud of so many of you for your your open up your homes for home based small groups. You know, I was just talking to someone recently and they have a little discipleship group that they're running in their home. And I'm, I love that. Inviting people in. Not just sharing the gospel, but sharing our very lives. And so in these verses, we can just follow the verbs. Now look at what it says next. Verse 14. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, verse 16, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Now, if I were to break this down to like one good principle, I got, I got some Shakespeare for you. To join or not to join, that is the question. Now let me explain to you where I got to that. Because what you find here is that there's things that we should be joining and there's things that we shouldn't be joining. Notice what it says. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So listen. Should you join people in being mean to you, to other people? If someone's mean to you, should you be mean back to them? No. If someone curses at you, should you curse back at them? No. So Should you join that? No right? So when someone is lousy to you, you are not supposed to join them in being lousy back. Now, this is a pretty powerful idea because isn't it really hard to have a one-sided argument? You need two willing parties to have an issue. Now, right here, listen, these verses can solve pretty much every marital problem. Every, Maybe not every, but you know what I mean. Every problem in society right here. When people are being lousy, don't join them. Why? Because instead of persecuting back the people who are persecuting you, you bless them instead. When people are using mean language towards you, don't return it. So don't join in the persecution. It's a very, very important thing. And of course, Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your fathers in heaven for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now remember I said, these are the behaviors you have when you abide in Christ. He's saying, listen, when you love your enemies, when you bless the people who curse you, same language that Paul's using here right? When you do good to the people who are lousy to you, and when you, you know, when you pray for the people who will use you and abuse you, then you're going to be children of your father in heaven. Why? Because he lets it rain on the good and the bad. He takes care of everybody. And so in that way, when we abide in Jesus, he will teach us that we don't return persecution for persecution. We don't return curses for curses. We don't return when people make accusations. We don't return accusations for accusations because you realize that accusations is the language of the devil, the accuser of the brethren. So we don't join into that stuff. We say, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to start something else, right? See, and really these verses are speaking to the way we respond to people who don't treat us well, people outside the church. People who, who are against what we believe or who, who don't like the way that we're practicing what we believe. But again, we bless those who persecute us. We bless them, don't curse. Now notice this, verse 15. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. Now, see what he's saying there? He's saying that we should join in joy with people who have joy and we should join with weeping with people who are weeping. This speaks of empathy. Our ability Because we esteem others higher than ourselves, because we in honor give preference, when someone is full of joy, we rejoice with them. Now, you know what happens oftentimes when we're not abiding in Christ, when someone is really joyful about something, but they get something we we want or we think we should have, instead of rejoicing with them, we get frustrated, which is classic loving the wrong way, right? Because we're not happy for them in their joy, right? Or for many of us, we almost feel like it's unspiritual to weep, but Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus and he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. So really what it's saying here is that we should allow ourselves to join people in their joys and in their sorrows. It's okay to weep. When someone's brokenhearted, we can be brokenhearted with them. Just the way Jesus identified with us, So we want to join people empathetically in the situations that they find themselves in. And notice verse 16, it says, be of the same mind toward one another. So this idea of having this unity of thought, what does that look like? Don't set your mind on high things. So don't join in intellectual pride, but associate with the humble, Wow. So we don't join in pride, but we do join in humility. So you see how this works? At each moment of your life, you have an opportunity to join or not to join. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Now, again, if you don't associate with high things, if you reject pride, then you won't also cause yourself to have an overinflated view of your own opinions. You know what I've learned about my opinions is that I make the fatal mistake, and I think all of us do it, unfortunately. Our opinions are based on the assumption that we have all the information. Right? It's like, I got all the information. Right? And what happened is, is we form our opinions based on insufficient information.
1: Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel closed out this message by sharing that there are things you should join in doing with others, and there are also things that you should say no to. You learned that it's a beautiful thing to join others in their joys as well as their sorrows. Being empathetic is one way God's love flows through you to others. Conversely, Pastor Daniel urged you to say no to joining in on accusations and hatred. He said that you should follow the example of Jesus and do good to those who
0: hate you. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655. Or email me at real at danielfusco.com.
1: Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel addresses the controversial topic of politics. He'll invite you to delve into a study of how God wants his followers to interact with their civic duty and governance. Pastor Daniel wants to challenge you to love others and do good deeds as you work out your faith in this area. Well, That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.